Hey everybody, welcome to episode 101 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam and I'm joined yet again by Mr. David J. Hogue. Yeah. What's cracking? Well, we're on a f- this three digits of shows that we've done. Yeah. It's kind of a big burden now. It is a big burden. So now we've got... Don't quit on me. Till we go to 999 before we get to episode 1000. Okay, if we if we get that far, I'm calling it now. Mark your calendars. If we get to episode 909, let's see, it took us two and a half years to do 100. Yeah. So that's... 25 years. Eight, almost nine years. Or, oh my gosh, it's 899 episodes. So if every 100 episodes is two and a half years, nine times, yeah, 25. So I'll be 55 by the time that happens. I'm uh, probably be dead. <laughs> oh, no. 71. Wow. <laughs> right now, the age gap doesn't feel that big, but 71 and 55 to me is a, that, that's a, that's a lot different. Yeah. That's a lot different. Yep. We could be, well, you could be the wise old man and I could be the, the, the dad who's still trying to pretend he's 30. With whatever, you know, the Snapchat replacement is then. Ooh, look at this whiz bang, kiddos. I know how to use it. Sorry, I don't know where that came from. Yeah, I, I, that's the technology that we have today and where it was not that long ago. Just makes me go, what are we going to have? I was listening to a podcast today. And this 40-year-old businessman was talking to these college interns um, as company and you know, he said he's convinced that in their lifetime, people will start to live to like their 200. He goes, we're going to hit some crazy, th- you know, uh, technological medical advancement. You're going to have contacts in your eyes that are permanent AR and you're going to live to like your 200. And he goes, and I'm going to miss out on it by five years and die when I'm 70. So screw all of you. <laughs> I was like, ah, I think that's a bit of a stretch, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. I haven't like, thought about it that way. Who would want to live that long? Yeah. And if global uh you know population is already a problem and global warming already is a problem p.s it really is a thing um uh tripling the life expectancy probably not a good idea just saying yeah plus you have to work all the, a lot longer yeah too. yeah i think I the mean, retirement age would be like 180 yeah oh my gosh <laughs> What would you want to do? Even so, you start working at twenty for one hundred and sixty years. You'd have like four, five, ten careers. Oh my gosh! Plus, I, I'm pretty sure God kind of says in the Bible that He limited man's time on Earth. Yeah, because we used to live a long time, like a long time. Yep. But have I told you my theory on time? It's relative. Well, yeah, but that's a simple answer, Dave. <laughs> so, and now I don't have, you know, I'm not a relative physicist or, you know, whatever the correct theoretical physicist, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I don't, I don't have the scientific uh, mm, what's from the pedigree, there we go, to say this is fact. But do you remember when you were younger? And your birthday and Christmas was always like, oh, it's so far away. Yeah. And but then as you get older, you're like, how is it? You, Christmas was two weeks ago. How is it Christmas again? <laughs> you know, or time. You know, oh, your daughter's you know five months old now. Before you know, she'll be eighteen, and you know, she takes like seven naps a day because a day for her is like like three percent of her life, where a day for me is like point zero zero. Like rough math, not accurate, right? But you get the point. So my theory is. Is that because each day is a smaller and smaller percentage of your actual existence, your perception of time is that it speeds up as you get older. Right. Yeah. I would agree with that. So, I don't know. Why did we get on that topic? My brain hurts now just thinking (laughs) about it. We're talking about people, yeah, getting old in the Bible. Yeah. And like the universe is expanding, so that's that's part of the growth of time. And there's, I'm sure there's got to be something there. I don't know. Like I said, my brain hurts now. <laughs> I was at my sister's wedding this past weekend. Ah, listener and Patreon supporter Katie. Awesome. She's now married. 
and she went to Caltech for college, which at the time of her enrollment was the number one college on the planet. Oh, really? Yeah, no big deal, right? So all the kids she went to school with are all uh, highly intelligent, like uh-huh. on the low end, and freaky intelligent on the high end. And there was a lot of them at uh, the wedding, and I remember sitting down and uh, talking with my now brother-in-law, his sister, and her, and I'm assuming her boyfriend, maybe just friend, but they seemed chummy. And uh, I know Carolyn, and she's super nice and also very intelligent, and you know went to Tufts University in Boston, and like she's no slouch either. She just got out of California and went to the East Coast for, you know, change of scenery. Uh, so I'm, I'm talking to her friend Alex, and I was like, so Alex, we got to this point in the conversation, what do you do for work? Uh, I'm a staff scientist at MIT. Wow. Okay. I'm going to ask this question, but I know it's a bad idea. What is it that you study? Uh, I study uh, diseases that aren't curable specifically ovarian cancer and how we're going to figure out how to cure it. Wow. Just like, well, it's been great talking to you, pal. <laughs> Have an awesome night. I'm going to go in the corner and count my fingers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and like, they're all just brilliant. And I was just like, and I told him, I was talking to someone else and I forget what they do. I was like, okay, explain it to me. And remember, I'm a words and photos guy. The science gene skipped me. Like use, talk to me like something an, concrete. I'm not an idiot. Yeah, you know, I happen to think I'm a very intelligent guy, but when it comes to that sort of stuff, my brain is just shuts off. <laughs> Not interested. But I'm glad other people are. Yes. Oh yeah. So yeah, it was it was a great it was a great wedding, and I just wanted to say congrats to my sister and yes, to Brad. Congratulations. And yeah. Oh, they're both getting their PhDs at Michigan, by the way. Oh. Katie's getting her PhD in immunology, and Brad's getting his in robotics. Awesome. Yeah. Good for them. Yep. Good for them. <laughs> well, anything you want to say? Oh, we have a lot to talk about in this episode, but it's, you know, it's been a while. Thought we should catch up a little bit. Um, I, you know, I think that's good. Yeah. Okay. You don't have to say anything. I'm just trying to be nice, Dave. <laughs> I'm just trying to be nice. It's hard for me sometimes. Yes, I'm a, I'm a little tired tonight, so please forgive me. All right, well, last episode, we got all the way through the crucifixion and burial of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we kind of like left it off at the climax of the entire story that we've been talking about for the last two and a half years. Yes. Everything's been leading to this, the, the prophecies, his travels, like... Everything has been leading up to the point where the disciples all check out and Jesus gets crucified and then he gets buried and then we just didn't record for two weeks. Whoopsies. (laughs) But we're back and we're going to pick up right where we left off in uh, verse. Oh, no, we're going to talk about the burial today. I'm sorry. Still at the climax, though. Yeah, man, all of that. And I screwed up. Don't even know where we left off, Dave. So we're going to start in verse 57 of Matthew 27, and we're going to go all the way through verse 15 of Matthew 28, which means that next episode, episode 102, will be our final episode in the book of Matthew. Matthew. Not ever, just in the book of Matthew. I think we're going to keep rolling. Oh, we'll definitely keep rolling. So that's kind of the... And we may come back to Matthew. Well, you know... There's a lot of good stuff here. Yeah. So that's the roadmap for today. We're going to finish chapter 27, get through a good chunk of 28, and then we will spend next episode on the Great Commission, which I think is a great way to both recap everything that we've studied and talked about for the last two and a half years and kind of a good way to leap off into whatever it is that's next. It's clever. It's clever how Matthew wrote this book, leaving that to the end. Mm. I mean, chronologically, so technically, you know, it is Jesus's cleverness that put this at the end. But (laughs) a good author knows how to end with a with a punch. Yes. So, with all that unnecessary explanation out of the way, David, would you please do us the honors? 
All right, so we're at Matthew 27, verse 57. Jesus is buried. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb. The next day, that is, the day after the day, whoa, the next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that impostor said, while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Now after the, re- after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you in Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsels, they gave sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has spread among the Jews to this day. All right. Lots of good stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, body gets buried. Um, they rolled a great stone. Yep. And, uh, of course, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb. So the two ladies, um, that get mentioned in verse 55 and 56 being there watching Jesus get crucified are again mentioned here, watching him get put in the tomb. Mm-hmm. Um, and as Dan pointed out in last episode, I think it's important to note the consistent presence of these two throughout this whole ordeal. Mm-hmm. Everyone else, for the most part, seems to have vanished. Yes. And these two women are there for the burial, sorry, for the crucifixion, for the burial, and for the resurrection by name so that, again, people in this time could go. The whole reason they're named is so you can go find them. Mm-hmm. Um, and Luke even does this in his gospel, or he'll say, his name was this, son of this, you can go talk to him. Like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he almost, he almost says it that way. Yeah. Like, go ask him for, you know, verification. So I think it's really cool that, that they're in this whole series, you know, end of 27, beginning of 28, shown to be there for each stage of the process. Yes. And again, to Dan's point, the fact that, their women means that their testimony is useless in the court system of this time. Yeah. Because women can't be trusted. They're just dirty liars, Dave, apparently. <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, times change and uh, cultural norms change. Uh, but this one just seems silly to me. Uh, but I also think it's interesting that they are the ones that are present, and Matthew is not shy of saying, yep, it was women. Yeah, because you're not going to put that in there if you're trying to create, if you're going to fake it, make something up. Those aren't details that you do 
in this particular. Unless you're very clever. I don't think so. It's, it's uh, what's the, what's the word? Reverse psychology. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you're not buying it. No. <laughs> All right. Yeah, because no. I, I, I mean, truly, I, it's just not. Again, there's just there's no benefit from making them the stars of the story and it being central to them unless it just happened. Plus it's, it's kind of, consi- well, it's kind of, it's, I believe it to be consistent to, with what I think you see throughout history in just terms of, um, you know, the character of women and the character of men when it really comes down to some of these difficult issues. And, um, I think a lot of times men are the first to get the heck out of Dodge when, <laughs> you know, things get rough and yeah, when they can't fix it and they actually have to be present. Yeah, yeah. And and women are so much more about the relationship, and that's I mean that is why they are there. They're there because they love Jesus. They're there because of who He is in their life, and um, they're not there for the status. They're not there for the, you know, because things didn't turn out the way they expected to. They don't bail. They're there for Jesus. Yeah. So, uh, moving on. Uh, the next day, uh, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how the imposter said, while he was still alive, after three days, I will rise. How come they remember and the disciples don't? That's a good question. Like, because, it just seems really weird. Well, because I think everybody probably does remember... But I think there's a couple things here. Nobody expects him to really rise because even the Pharisees and the priests are, are saying he's going to fake it or his disciples are going to fake it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's even their motivation is, is the whole, it's not a legitimate, he's going to rise. It's, hey, they're going to they're gonna make this look like it's legit. Yeah, I, I I get your point, but I just to me it's like did they keep a tally of all the ludicrous in air quotes things that he said? Because he also said, you know, he referred to it as the temple, not necessarily himself. And so mm-hmm. I just find it interesting that the people that set about to murder him remember in detail one of his many claims and i get the self-preservation aspect here which makes sense because everything they've done to this point has been in self-preservation to keep their position and their power so that that aspect of it makes sense i just think the fact that in the midst of i'm assuming their celebration they're like wait a minute remember that one time he said this one thing we should go protect the tomb like i think they should have protected it regardless but again this detail uh, but the other question, too, that I have is, how does Matthew know this conversation happened? He's not a chief priest or an elder, and he's not Pontius Pilate. Hmm. So unless, you know, working theory, Pilate sees what happens, converts, tells them the story. I don't know. Uh, divine Re- It just seems like, how, how does Matthew have this information? seems like a privy conversation that he was, or a private conversation he was not privy to. Let me use my, my words correctly. Just a thought. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, yeah. It doesn't make me believe less. It's just an interesting, how did he get this information? Because, like, I think for me... Well, here's, here's my question. In order for the Pharisees and the, the priests to go to Pilate, it's it's going to have to be a public. I mean, they're not going to get a close quarters meeting with Pilate. Why not? Because I I don't believe that's how that worked with the Roman governor and Pilate. What Pilate wants to be done with this? He's he's not going to be having a closed door. So you meeting. think this was him holding court? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's not gonna have a. Why would he? Why would Pilate have a closed, a private meeting with these people that 
I mean, I'm sure when they showed it, I mean, this is this is purely speculation on my part, but you know, pilots saying a few verses back, I wash my hands of this. Okay, you got what you wanted. The guy's crucified. He's dead. He's buried. Now you're coming to me with this too? I mean, I, I would just think Pilate would be exasperated and it would have been very much a public court type. This is what we want. Um, and I just kind of see Pilate just being again sort of this like, all right, you got to guard the soldiers. Go make it as secure as you can. They went, they made it secure and sealed it and set a guard. All right. Still thinking about that, but we can move on. <laughs> I don't. Know, I guess I just find uh, obviously the resurrection is like pretty much the most important thing to ever happen. It is the most important thing. Yes. Well, you could argue so was creation of the entire universe because it wasn't broken yet. So, like, I think this is the most important thing post broken universe. And then the creation would be the most important. Well, not even that, because... Oh, see, now we're getting into that whole time thing again. I, I, yeah. I think this is the most important. But I guess what I'm trying to say, and apparently failing at... <laughs> thanks, Dave. Is, um... I pay very close attention to these resurrection stories because if there was ever something that was going to cause me doubt about God, Jesus, and the Bible, it's this because it's so ludicrous, right? Uh, and I guess to me, like you hear lots of defenses for the resurrection and, and proofs for the resurrection and, and that sort of stuff. But I think for me, what it comes down to is the fact that the church happened. To me, that's the biggest defense of the resurrection as being an actual thing that actually happened that caused people to create this thing that still exists today, albeit in much different forms now than then, um, but with generally speaking the same purpose. And that to me is kind of what I keep coming back to um, is that if it was knowingly false, it never would have taken off as quickly and as early as it did. You know, a lot of the um, atheistic scholars that make it their job to study the Bible, which I always found interesting, try to push the dates of the Gospels back into like the second and third centuries when it's pretty obvious that they were like written anywhere from like 20 to 40 or 50 years after. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean distributed. <clears throat> um, so it's just kind of interesting. And if you, if you're into that sort of stuff, you can look up the Jesus seminar and just kind of wonder what in the world those folks are up to. They're deciding what Jesus actually said and what he didn't actually say. And they vote on it with pebbles or like little colored so you can get the, the Jesus seminar version of the Gospels and everything is highlighted to what Jesus definitely didn't say, probably didn't say, might have said, probably said, or definitely said. And guess which Gospel has the least um, redactions? The all-reliable Gospel of Thomas. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Which, scholarship shows, was written, I think, two or three hundred years after. Mm -hmm. But that's the one that's most accurate. And it's a bunch of these old, crusty dudes deciding now, or in the 90s, what Jesus said and didn't say, based on whatever, you know, divine knowledge they have. It's just, I, I don't I'm putting them in the show notes. Read their stuff at your own peril. It just makes me angry. Yeah. So, I was thinking about your comment about Christianity continuing for thousands of years in uh, Acts 5 uh, there's kind of a little 
Um, oh, the, the mass appearance is that what you're talking? No, about? no, no. It's it's the discussion of if it's of God claiming. So, I, well, let me just read it. Um, starting with verse of thirty-five, it says, "Men of Israel, take care what you care about to do with these men," referring to the disciples. For before these days, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas, the Galilean, rose up in days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So, in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone, for it is If this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So, very much of what just, you know, this, there there are, and I think Satan kind of knew what the story of Jesus was going to be, or, you know, you have these parallel kind of incidences of, um, cults type things happening and they don't exist today and Christianity does and with that said I'm fully aware that Islam exists and Hinduism exists and Buddhism you know I get that just because a religion exists doesn't mean it's the end all be all but um, you know uh, the resurrection is something that is unique uh, the death um, every other religion, you got to do something to get to God. You've got to earn it. You have to work for it. And Christianity is the only religion where God made it for us to come to Him, and He came and you know did it for us. Uh, we're so dependent on His grace, and so um, many things that are just unique and significant about the resurrection. Yeah, so let's get to that passage. Um, But the response of Pilate is then, uh, yeah, you have a guard of soldiers. Go make it secure as you can. Um, So they went, and they secured it by sealing the stone and setting a guard. So Pilate says, yeah, sure, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Again, to your point, probably like, can we just move on, please? (laughs) And uh, so we move on. And Mary and Mary are back. Uh, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and uh, rolled the stone and sat on it, which I think is hysterical. Yes. Like, well, that was kind of hard. I'm just going to rest for a bit. (laughs) You know, shine my apple and just uh, take a bite. But any also, another thing that is fascinating to me is any time an angel shows up, like stuff gets weird. Because that's not a normal occurrence. At least not in my life is it normal occurrence. Um, shows up with a uh, great earthquake, and then his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Grown men, soldiers, played dead. Again, Roman soldiers. As he's sitting on the stone, they're on the ground going, if we don't move, he can't see us. If we don't move, he can't see us. <laughs> like he's some T-Rex or something. And it just, this whole scene to me is just a hoot. I mean, terrifying for sure, because oftentimes angels will say, first thing out of their mouth, fear not. Like, it's cool. I come in peace. Yeah. And, you know, I grew up with two younger sisters, and so they had precious moments Bibles, and angels are these little cute oh, no, no, porcelain no. dolls, you know, with totally anatomically incorrect wings that can never actually make them fly. Yeah. And I get the feeling that angels are probably terrifying. Not in like a like horror movie monster terrifying no. way, but in like a holy crap! Like just look at the ground again. If we, if we don't move, he can't see us. Like that. Yeah. Their response to me makes it's ridiculous, but it makes sense. Just like like just uh, terrifying in the 
powerful way, not right. in the like, oh, I've got, you know, 17 arms and they all right. have swords in them way. Yeah. If that makes sense. I Yeah, I just truly an imposing figure. Um, I mean, it's pretty much like The Rock with wings, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, a, a warrior type. And then... <laughs> got a Samoan sleeve tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm ruining you know, the moment. Here, here's the thing, though. I... <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, it, yeah, I, I, I do just think that there is that. There is, there is just. Um, I'm actually thinking of the movie Michael with John Travolta. Gosh, and I know I bring <laughs> up these cheesy, just stupid movies sometimes, but in the movie, yeah, wasn't he like a smoking angel? Yeah, but but there's but there's like this. And I'm probably being a heretic, but there's there's elements to his character that I just I find. God, I can't even think of of the of the of the term that I'm I'm thinking of. But there's one scene where he just he he decides to go into battle, or it's time for battle, and he squares off with a bull, and then basically rams the bull and knocks the bull. I think both him and the bull end up on the ground, sort of thing. And and I think there's just that element of, like, manliness. So to... why'd they pick John Travolta to play him? I don't That's... know. That's, I, yeah. I, I mean, why not Arnold? <laughs> yeah. So, At least they didn't pick Tom Cruise. They could have done worse. They could have done worse. Yeah, no, and that, it, it, not even, yeah, him is Speaking of Scientologists. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, there, there's, there's something untamed about about angels, you know, something wild about angels, that I just I think, in the same way that we would be fearful of a lion, you know, or if we were in the ring with a a, a raging bull, it, it's that that kind of terror of just like, um, kind of that unbridled, just masculinity and <laughs> toughness and um just something that we don't we don't have and 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 then i definitely think there's there's warrior angels and then there's like the cherubim and then there's there's definitely different roles that different angels play so he addresses the women as i'm sure you know they're trying to figure out what in the world is happening and he says again do not be afraid I come in peace, right? Uh, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified, as opposed to the other Jesus <laughs> that they were friends with. Like, <laughs> uh, he is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Like, I know people spoke differently back then, but <laughs> I'm just trying to picture this, you know. This angel guy. See, I've told you. And then back up into heaven. Maybe he just like, I don't know. Never mind. Now I'm getting into the weird stuff. So they departed quickly from the tomb. AKA, I'm sure they probably sprinted. Yes. Uh, Yeah. With fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. (laughs) (laughs) And they came up and took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and they will see me. Okay, so questions. They seem to notice Jesus right away, mm-hmm. recognize him right away. But in Gospel of John, right. he appears to the disciples and they don't recognize him at first. In well, fact, and that's I believe it. it's not, yeah, it's not Mary and Mary, it's the the disciples, right? Isn't there an? Uh, I don't know if it's John or or Luke or Luke is where he's to my walking down the road with those two and they, people, yeah. and they they talk with him for seemingly a long time, and it's not until they get into the house that they realize it's him. Mm-hmm. But yet, it seems like Mary and Mary recognize him right away, which again I think is indicative of the relationship they had, right? Um, and I just I just think it's interesting. I don't know what it means. You know, if anything, but yeah, the fact that they recognized him and most of the disciples did not 
right away. And he also says, do not be afraid. So I wonder again if this is, you know, now that his physical body has died. Now, obviously, his physical body was, was missing, but is he now in his resurrection body? Like, the process of death, burial, and resurrection cause him to become what a human is supposed to be? Because then they're talking some of Paul's stuff um, or in Revelation. It's been a really long time since college, guys. I'm sorry. I used to know all this stuff. Um, talk about a resurrection body versus an earthly body. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I just I wonder if maybe that's why he leads with, don't be afraid. <laughs> Check out these guns. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Um, but there, there's also, you know, Thomas and the him still having the wounds. So, yeah, but I feel like those wounds probably aren't still there. Maybe once you know he ascended, he's like, "All right, can we patch me up?" Yeah, you know. I feel like he's got the ability to do that. If he can heal lepers and blind people, I'm sure a few holes can easily, you know, get filled in. Yeah. Well, then I'm even thinking about... So, uh, John 20. Um, Let's see. I'm trying to find the ESV here. I'll just do it on what I have pulled up. So, I don't remember exactly where it is. Excuse me. I apologize. All right. Uh, He basically says something to the effect of, don't touch me, or don't (laughs) hang on to me, because I have not returned to the Father. Like, right after Thomas does the whole... uh, Okay, so... 2027, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands and put your hand place side. Do not believe, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. You believe because you've seen me, but blessed are those who have not seen me. I swear he says, do not touch me because... (laughs) Unclean! I have not returned to the Father. Uh, it was like verse 17. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Yeah. Yeah. So that's John 20 verse 17. And, but then, but then like, I, I just am, am having this recollection of reading this in the last year of just kind of like, don't, you know, don't hang on to me, but then. A couple of verses later, he's telling Thomas, okay, put your fingers here and touch this. And <laughs> so that Jesus, he's a mystery. Indeed he is. All right. So <coughs> now you got me cough, Dave. Sorry. I'll put out my cigarette. Gross. All right. So. He says, go tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. Um, so, this scary guy came down, and we just played dead. (laughs) Like, how do (laughs) Or is it one of those tall tales? He knew Kung Fu, and he came and poisoned us and knocked us, like, I don't know. Again, I'm just spouting dumb stuff. Back to the Bible. And when they had assembled the elders and taken counsel, they gave sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him while... So they... Hush money. Yep. Which I'm assuming is a lot better than just being killed. Like, those are their two options. Pay them to shut up or just kill them all. Mm -hmm. And say the disciples did it. Go stage the murder scene at the... You know, at the graves. Um... And if this comes to the governor's ears, we'll satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So like, I don't know why they were so nice to these soldiers who screwed up their one job. Maybe I just watched too many dark TV shows about the mafia and gangs <laughs> and stuff. Like, the triads would have just totally killed him. 
Well, in in this, this is the part where it's like, okay, now how does Matthew know this? Mm-hmm. Because this is this is about hush money, but then like verse fifteen. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's weird. This story has been spread among. Yeah, that's a weird way to say it. It almost seems like this is the story and we're sticking to it, even though I know that's not what he means, but right. and this so, is and this like in and, and this story, what story? The story of these people getting hush money or the, the story, story of, of the resurrection. Exactly. I was wondering that exactly. Because this is a frustratingly ambiguous term <laughs> from time to time. Context is not always clear. No, it is not. Yeah, so this story has been spread up. That's, I, it's been a while since I took Greek, and I don't know if in this passage the actual Greek is more descriptive. I couldn't tell you. Nor I could I. read it in Greek, couldn't tell you what it means. It's been too long. Now, I mean, it would seem that this story refers to the story of the hush money because it's right right after it but it could also be a concluding statement for the entire section because the next section starts now the 11 disciples went to galley so we're changing contexts so i I think it's debatable and the term spread among the jews to this day is uh loaded perhaps depending upon your uh predetermined uh, assumptions on whether the resurrection was true or false. Yeah. So not terribly helpful there. No. Um, any other thoughts on the resurrection? We kind of, kind of blew through it faster than I thought we would. Yeah. I, you know, I think the thing is, as I, as I said earlier, is just, regardless of what you think of Jesus and Christianity and all of that, I would challenge anybody that is a skeptic and has a problem with the resurrection to kind of go, why would they even, you know, why do it this way? You know, why would God send, why would Jesus become man, live among us to be crucified for our sins? And why is Christianity different than all other religions? And well, what if what if people don't see Christianity as different than other religions? Like I know quite a few people who grew up uh, Catholic or you know super conservative Southern Baptist or you know um, fundamentalist sort of stuff, and when they see the Bible or when they, you know, hear the word Christianity, all they think of is rules, regulations, restrictions, you know, damnation, fire and brimstone, catechism, and they don't think about grace and mercy and love and uh, repentance and reconciliation. You know, they only get half of the picture. And other people only get the other half of the picture. All the happy stuff and none of the hard stuff, right? And so when we say Christianity is different than other world religions, I think most people are like, not really. Mm -hmm. I got to go to church. I got to do these things and don't do those things. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think it is... I think it is fairly common for people to not understand what the Bible actually says and what Jesus actually stood for and did and why he actually died. Like I've had conversations with people about, you know, some stuff that mega churches have, you know, been saying or, or mainline churches that have just kind of forgotten the Bible exists, frankly. Um, and they bring stuff up and I just get really mad. They're like, what? And this is when I worked at the restaurant. I don't even remember what the topic was, but he brought something up about, uh, you know, 
some prosperity preacher, and I went off on like a five-minute just like, that's not what this is about, and the Bible says here, boom, 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 and this is what Jesus said about that, and at the end he goes, whoa. (laughs) I had no idea. Those are really good points. Now, it's not because I was, you know, well, I was angry, and I should have handled myself a lot better, but he wasn't a Christian. He doesn't know what the Bible says. He only hears and sees Mm -hmm. what's on the news, which is pastors or priests having, you know, inappropriate sexual relationships with secretaries, wives, young boys, uh, pastors laundering money, uh, pastors not paying their taxes, like all of the bad stuff, or all of the Joel Osteen just, you know, self-help stuff. Mm-hmm. And they don't know what the Bible actually says. Yes. And they don't know what Jesus actually did. And it's just, so I don't know. Like, we can say that, but... well. And we're going to get into this next week with the Great Commission, but I I believe that part of it is because Jesus was not about, you know, go be a great preacher, go be a great speaker, go, you know, get a stadium full of people, go get on TV, go get... You know, that is not what Jesus told, and yet it has become um, kind of the perceived way that Christianity is proclaimed, when really it's about individual life, um, and it's about making disciples. It's about you and I doing exactly what you did with the guy in the restaurant. It's us as Christians speaking up for what we believe in and not allowing it to be, you know, the pastors, quote-unquote, the speakers, the people that have the, you know, the audiences, because that really was not, that was not the intent of, and I think the other piece, too, is is you kind of have the two extremes. Um, There's Christianity that's about liberty, and there's Christianity that's about legalism. And both of those extremes are very dangerous. You can be over-legalistic about, you know, the list of do's and don'ts, and you can be overly reliant on the liberty to live the life that we want to live and kind of have this peace that, well, Jesus will forgive us. And the reality is is there's a combination of those two um, that I think it is properly communicated through discipleship and maybe I'll look this up before we meet next week but if every Christian just invested in two other Christians and it took two years to do that I think the two other people they don't have I mean you I think the end goal is that they become Christians but yeah 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 I'm like the whole discipleship like the the complete like non-believer you become a believer to you are now growing and seeing Christ. And if every Christian would just find two other people in the world to, to invest in and do that for, the world would be like evangelized in like 10 years. You're giving people too much credit, Dave. I, it, but it's that simple. Well, what's your term of evangelized? Being presented no, no, the gospel? I, I, no, I, I, no it's, it's what we're going to talk about next week. It's discipleship. It's, it's, see, I think evangelism and discipleship are, are you, they're not mutually exclusive terms. They are so interwoven with each other, but yet we've, we've separated them out in a way that I don't think they were ever intended to be separated out. So when you say the whole world would be evangelized, do you mean that everyone would become a Christian? I am just saying... I'm just trying to understand this, your terms. No, I'm going I'm to... Okay. And I'll, right. We'll go over this next week. I, I'm just saying that we rely way too much on... The, whole, the pulpit oh, abs- for Christianity yeah. to be spread. And from a purely just mathematical standpoint, yeah. if you took one individual and they invested in two, and then they invested in two, and they invested in two, mm-hmm. and you gave it a two-year yeah. period for each one of those. It's a crazy Russian doll situation. Exactly. And it's literally the world would have, everybody would have, you know, that's that's assuming that everybody that you meet then goes, oh, I want to be a Christian. And I'm going to yeah, do which, this. which is where I I'm going to disagree <clears throat> with you. I think there are people that don't want no 
regardless of how much you love them, regardless of, you know, they might even go, you know, this Jesus guy, he's all right, but they don't, they don't believe. And I think there are some people that never will. Right. And then, you know, and then I think the other thing is, is, is you're right that, you know, people don't have all the information and, you know, whether you're talking about C.S. Lewis or you're talking about Lee Strobel or, you know, pick your Christian um, thinker that went, set out to, to disprove Christianity and in the midst of it ended up becoming a, a believer. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's more often the case than not, is that people that genuinely go out and try to disprove it find themselves faced with this, oh my, this is real, this is their substance to this. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't break down. And it's, again, I think that's more of a condition of, of, your, of your soul and where you're at, and do you really want to know the truth? Because if you really want to know the truth and you really do study Christianity and break it down and look at what it has to offer. I don't see people that end up walking away from it. I'm not saying it's never happened, but again, I think it's more what was their heart from the beginning in terms of what it was that they were really trying to do. So anyway, well, I think that sets us up nicely for discussion next week about the great commission. Cause we're only going to read yeah, it's five verses. <laughs> yep. But I've already got a bunch I want to talk about because now this gets into the practicality of discipleship and what it's about and what it's for and what purpose the church should serve and yes, I, all of that. And when we get talking about that stuff, I get really excited because I, I have a lot to say about that. So. I think next episode should be fun. Stay tuned. Yeah. Bye. Bye.